concept for ePartrade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for ePartrade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. It's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in, which is free. And the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on request more information. If it's a company, you click on request more information. And then from there, it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. You can go to epartrade.com, you become part of a community of businesses in racing and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At ePartrade there is no e-commerce, it's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go just to keep current every day. So it's a good place to start your workday in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of ePartrade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. ePartrade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. We're going to be uh, talking with the people from Steel Racing Product. I see Sean on and I see Bruce. So Brad, you ready for another hour? I'm absolutely ready for another hour. This is too much. Oh, we're going to go a little off-road racing here. Excellent. Excellent. Look at you guys on the coach. Wow. Where'd you go? <laughs> hey, yeah. Good, morning, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. So uh, we, uh, we're just a little bit behind, one or two minutes. So we'll carry on. So Brad, why don't you just take on and then we'll see you guys in about an hour. All right. Thank you, Francis. We really appreciate this. All right, part two of our double header today, thermal management solutions with high performance brushless fan systems and off-road racing by steel racing products. And our panelists, and if anyone wants to raise their hand as I call your name, uh, and then correct me in case I mispronounce the name, please. I definitely don't want to do that. But uh, Andy Wagner, president of steel racing products, uh, Pedro Perez, product manager of steel racing products. Is it Sean, is it Geiser? Did I get that? Oh. Good deal. Uh, owner of Geyser Performance and Bruce Binquist, owner, driver of the Geyser built BDI Racing Can-Am X3. All right. Um, so, gentlemen, let's get started. Andy, I'm going to start with you to give us a quick overview of what we're going to be talking about here today. Sure. Um, so uh, this whole thing was really to uh, show and uh, uh have our partners that we've worked with over the years, how our products have integrated in these uh, uh, off-road vehicles. And uh, with our fan technology, with it being brushless, it's a very specialized uh, type of system, but uh, when it's being used in the right application, it's very effective. So uh, with Geyser, uh, Sean over here, 
he's built many vehicles over the years and uh, used our products and he's had to strategically design some uh, different uh, applications or mounting ways or uh, uh, theorize different uh, solutions to that. And as well with Bruce as the driver with his uh, experience behind the wheel, uh, he's got the um, uh, ability to kind of understand more of just, you know, putting your foot on the gas uh, and going. He understands the vehicles like health. Uh, you know, if it's running hot, uh, he'll know certain areas where uh, we all collaborate together and uh, come forth with a, a good cooling solution for it. So um, it's really been a, a, a great journey uh, to have a lot of progress and doing new things with our fans. Uh, and and uh, that's really what uh, this whole thing is about, is showing this uh, relationship of how this all comes together, not just about the product itself, but about uh, Geyser and then uh, about BDI uh, racing as well and how that's uh, really helped. Yeah, I love I love it when we have uh, panelists on who are actually users of the product. Um, you know, it's, you guys do a great job producing these and I know there's all kinds of testing and development and everything that goes on in there, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, especially with what Pedro does and, and all of you, but when you actually talk about real life use and real world use that's great so the fans that still racing products uses if you're just at the website um, accessories brake cooling helmet pumpers ac systems radiator intercooler fans um you have a very specific section on your page as well for can-am and polaris and all of that so you know are we going to cover the gamut here andy i mean we're talking about everything or is there anything specific you want to focus on yeah, specifically, we're, we're going to be talking about the BDI Geyser uh, race vehicle, and uh, we'll be taking uh, taking you for a little tour in the back shop to show you what it looks like and how these fans are applied. And then Bruce will uh, talk about how his experience from the beginning uh, uh, of where he was needing cooling solutions uh, and how we've addressed them and kind of the evolution from that uh, to where we're at now. Okay. Well, fantastic. Um, I, I do want to start by asking brushless versus brush fans um, and what's better in high performance off-road race vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, brushless fans, they, uh, they're just better overall technology. Uh, they aren't, um, they don't have brushes on them, which uh, is traditionally what motors are um, in a lot of industrial applications. They're, they're wearables, they're consumables. You have to replace them and uh, the duty cycle is much less. With brushless, uh, you actually can apply logic to it. So um, you have a microcontroller uh, that uh, governs the way that the motor spins. Uh, uh, it can act on certain conditions. You can tie it to different peripherals to uh, uh, an ECU. Uh, and that's the benefit that you get out of it is it's not just a power on and it's going to draw uh, an enormous amount of uh, amperage. It's going to uh, be something that can be managed. Uh, so you can power manage, get more power to your engine, uh, whatever you need. Uh, that, that's sort of what uh, brushless has um, benefited racing in a lot of ways uh, as that's starting to get more noticed. Sean, I want to ask you and, and Bruce ask you as well, when it comes to finding your solutions and what you were looking for, and partnering up with steel. Uh, what was it, what you were looking for? What is it that you found? Um, so, you know, the, the biggest struggle that we have um, 
right now is uh, power supply. Um, we run an, an external alternator and then uh, the engine puts off, you know, power from the stator. So the best thing that we use with, uh, you know, the steel fans is, is like Andy was mentioning, it's not just an on off system. We can, we can tailor any of those with the logic to, you know, keeping everything at a steady balance of temperature and not drawing too many amps. So, so, um, you know, me, I got in with Andy was about three, four years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've been working on little projects since then and, um, you know, brought them on board with the BDI program to, um, you know, to, to keep, keep us running up front and keep us cool. So. All right, Bruce, how about on your end of things? Tell us about uh, steel racing products and where it really helps you out there off-road. Absolutely. So from our standpoint, um, you know, my discipline's a little different. I want performance. And cooling's critical to our, you know, right down to our radiator, our engine and whatnot. But in the development of our race car and racing these UTVs, um, whether you're an enthusiast or, uh, or a racer, it's all about keeping that belt temp and engine temp down, provide power, keep the car running. And uh, I came from a road racing background, open wheel, and I'd never raced one of these cars that I had to backpedal on the throttle. And, uh, and that was all managing the clutch belt temp. So um, in working with Sean and Andy, I just looked at him. I said, we can't go racing unless we can hold this thing wide open and really be able to go racing. So through the technology with all the guys and tons of R&D, um, with the brushless fans, we've been able to get our engine temps under control, be able to get our belt temps under control. And um, I, I, I would be safe to say, not going on a limb here, we're second to none on being able to hold the power and the throttle down on a UTV. So huge solution, still developing. Um, you know, we're, we're still continuing to grow the product. And, you know, like Sean, on his standpoint of being the car designer, engineer, race engineer, it's managing power, but then also be able to let me as a racer stand on the button and not be concerned about overheating. So um, it's been really, really exciting and huge engineering team effort to solve those problems with the steel racing products. Pedro, I want to ask you, um, you know, when it comes to uh, a lot of these different things, I mean, you know, we can look through the steel website and there's a lot of really nice pictures in a nice clean room. You know, we can look at the picture right there above Bruce and we can see that the products are obviously used in a not so clean environment and being able to make sure that uh, these products work and continue to work in different types of environments. Talk about just some of the different things, Pedro, that uh, that steel is offering and some of the things that you guys put into your technology to aid with that. Well, that's, um, Going back to our, our first interview a few months back when we were talking about straight out NASCAR and racing and what we did and we we talk about what we do outside and how we shine out for the moment for whatever it comes. We're not just only the solutions that are on the website, there's also solutions that are happens sometimes even on the fly. Um, that's one of the greatest thing about working with Sean and working with um, Bruce is that we go out to the field and you know we got theories and we can solve those theories and say like hey i have an idea how about we do this and both of them are yeah let's go on it and it helps develop more products it helps make our products even better 
Um, right now, like one thing that we're now like proud of is, is our new pumper. Um, these UTVs um, have different seating capacity. You know, you have the racing that is always a two seaters, but we have you know the pleasure ones that are four seaters, and so we're developing like. Right now, what I have on my hand is a new pumper that have ability to change from two outlets to one outlet to four outlets, depending on the needs of it. Also, those outlets can be used for any other purpose, cooling another part of the car while you're still getting fresh air into your helmet, you know, cooling down electronics, going down something that doesn't demand that high, um, doesn't have that big temperature um, gauges on it. You just only minimum air fraction that one on like this will work perfectly. Why not blowing somebody's head out, pumping air into it? <laughs> I love that. You know, Sean, uh, and again, coming up with some of these solutions as well, specific to you, obviously other people can benefit on some of the development and some of the things that we've learned. Um, you know, how much has gone into, here's what we need to, here's what we have, and now that it works, how quick do we see things like that? Um, we're about uh, two and a half years into uh, developing the package that we currently have. And as, as Bruce stated, you know, we're always making little changes. We're always um, trying different things. As Pedro mentioned, I think even the last time we were out testing some new stuff, uh, Pedro made a, a special air duct out of a license plate. Just <laughs> we, we throw the kitchen sink at it to see if it's going to work. And we have sensors everywhere and we can we can collect a lot of data that that will help, you know, justify the what we solve. Um, but we take, um, you know, the fans that these guys supply us and then uh, me and, and Bruce and our team here, we we find out, you know, where the best place that we're going to get the most airflow into it is going to be. And then we have to um, design and and uh, make special ducting and special uh, hoses and special adapters to uh, uh, fit it to to Bruce's car. Um, and then obviously, you know, these guys have their standard stuff like Pedro was mentioning the the general public can go they have mounts where they can just bolt it right onto their car um and and wire it up and and go straight to uh straight to what they need it for um but we take fans like uh you know one of their 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 duct cooling fans and we tailor parts um to put the air right where we need it so yeah, I'm curious, and, and Sean or Pedro or Andy, I'm not sure who, who's best to ask this question to, you know, Pedro, when you're talking about you can have two outlets, four outlets or whatever, where are applications where, you know, okay, I can, I can have the fan here and I can run a bunch of hose up to my helmet, for example, or I might want to have the fan here and I'm only going to have a short piece of duct, like it's going to be a more direct cooling system. What are some places where I need to be right on it? versus where I can be, you know, mounted somewhere else, but it's still going to get what I need. Uh, first of all, like the, I, I want to reiterate on, 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 on our products. And one of the best things that have been working with Sean and Bruce is we have our best testing abilities out there and to see how the longevity of our products. Once the fan goes to our race, we said that the, it went through the Brucey fire. 
<laughs> and if you went through the Brucey fire and you made it in, it's a, it's, it's a good um, product. Um, when we were talking last time, um, we, I explained to you how our fans are not based out of CFM, which is what the industrial, the market always goes for, or fans are based out of static pressure. So on, on our fans, regardless if you have, a, let's say like on this one that has two outlets, Say I have an outlet coming out of this one that has is a foot long, and the outlet from this one is four feet long. At the end result, both terminals will have the same amount of air because their pressure. They're not CFM like the rest of the market. These are pressure based. So the the pressure that this puts out, it will put it out at two inches, or uh, or it will put it out at eight feet. It will. Put the same amount of air that's one of the things that when that i use for to demonstrate people uh, out of my car i have one of these and i have i run it like i have a three feet uh a three feet hose and i have a six feet hose and i tell them look how much air you get out of this and then i take the other one and say like now look how much air you got from this and one was blocked and the other one was open once i unplug the one that was block is just it the damn the the air didn't change it's the same amount of air i said like yeah let me let me plug the short hose and see it through the, no change and let, and vice versa and that's what blows people out because again everybody's used to oh yeah cfm my fan puts amount this amount of cfm no how much pressure does it put how much airflow are you actually getting not just by a fan on itself, just once you put it through a core, through a filter, through a hose, what will be the end result of it? This is, we have a endless hose, water hose that we can spray everybody with, with instead of water with air. I love the engineering here. All right, so, so Bruce, uh, and by the way, I do want to remind you, if you have a question for any of our panelists, either Andy, Pedro, Sean, or Bruce, just type it into the chat and, and we'll certainly get your questions answered and especially how some of these things might be able to apply to uh, exactly what your application is. But Bruce, we're talking about uh, all this air and cooling things and all of that real world environment. How much of a difference does this make in any component or yourself uh, that is being cooled? Well, we, we noticed a huge difference with the pumper. I mean, honestly, um, I was trying to dampen it down on a cool day because I was getting cold in my helmet, which is a good thing in a racing environment, right? Because we're off-road racing. We're, we're typically in hot environment in the race car. We're in the car for five, six, sometimes eight hours. Um, so, you know, the hydration, the airflow, and the cooling is really critical. So from that standpoint, in real application um, on the pumper, we huge difference. Uh, perfect example from when we are running a standard uh, competitor's radiator fans to the radiator fans with the steel racing products and the brushless system. Um, we were running temperatures to where we were having to slow the car down because we were getting hot um, at the same race and the same atmospheric temperatures um, in, in the race previous at Silver State, 110 degrees outside. And the car was getting up to 240, 260, and we were worried about the engine and hurting it. Same conditions with the new uh, steel product uh, fans, and we had engine temps at 170 degrees. The car's cold. So, you know, from, from that standpoint, huge, huge difference. Uh, same, like I said, same density altitude, same altitudes, temperatures, 
and whatnot. And we're able to quantify that with our data acquisition. So um, that application, you know, and the recovery time because of like Pedro's talking with static pressure versus CFM is that getting the air through the cores, whether it be the charge temps in the intercoolers, uh, getting, you know, keeping the turbos cool with our small turbine fans and clutch cooling. So um, those applications and, um, you know, are qualified with the data, race proven, and uh, I'm pretty good at breaking parts. So if they live through our program, uh, anyone else can have at it. Aside from the obvious um, of, of now having something that you don't have to worry about and think about as far as overheating and all of that, does the fact that the cooling is so much better and so much more efficient then allow you to start working in other areas? Maybe now because I have this, I could do some of these other things that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise because of concerns from heat. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's absolutely racing technology R&D is a progressive deal. You move the ball down the road to the next level, like Sean stated and Andy did. We, we're constantly evolving and constantly working on our package. So with solving the cooling with the fan systems, we then started working on clutching and the car going faster. And then it was the belts. And, you know, so... Um, you know, we, we've solved with Sean and the engineering of our group, uh, you know, our chassis set up and then it was the shocks, you know, because the car was hitting bigger stuff and going so much faster. So absolutely the ability to cool the motor, the clutch, uh, you know, transmissions, differentials, uh, all, all that stuff um, developed to where we're working on the rest of the package and the rest of our product in our race setup. Wow. You know, Sean, on your end, um, you know, can you give examples of situations where you might've said, you know, man, if we could only get this cooler, we could do this, or maybe I have an idea for this because now I know I can get it cooler. Yeah. And a perfect example could be Bruce mentioned silver state, um, the silver state race that we did where, the stuff that we were running last year, um, you know, we, Bruce has to control the temperatures more. And that was a big focus that we had going into some of these, the, the hotter races and why we ended up um, putting a different, having these guys develop a, a special set of fans um, for, the intercooler and the radiator and that kind of stuff is is that's a perfect example of some walls that we were hitting where these guys came in and gave us something to uh, rectify that that issue that we had and now you know Bruce isn't isn't worried as much in that department and doesn't doesn't have it distracting him so that would be a perfect example of where, where, um, you know, we ran into those roadblocks and, and this, you know, these guys at steel helped us get past it. Pedro, when someone comes to you with, uh, yeah, we talked about you making a duck out of a license plate (laughs) (laughs) with with different ideas uh, and all of that. I, I, you know, is there, I I know you're, there's no limit um, obviously to what you can do. There's just a different way to find a way around it, but um, 
you know, when that question comes in, what, what happens? How does your mind work? What, what happens when you start trying to find that solution? Well, the, the one key factor about the whole situation is that even as they progress with their car and they think their our solution worked for them and is is a done deal, we are always paying attention on what's going on in the car. Hey, are you changing this part? What part are you putting? How much amp draw are you taking from this? How much are you doing from that? And even though there's nothing that we can do for it at the moment or nothing that we have been requested to do for the moment, we're already thinking in advance what's going on. How will this affect the car later on? Do I need to start better out my product? Do I have to do something? And in casual conversations that we have trying to develop whatever, they say that we came out, hey, you know, this will work really good with this customer, whatever. Wait a minute. That might help boost too. So we keep we keep our customers, especially them, in mind on everything that we do. So when situations like this happens, well, I had a theory, hey, this might work this way. We're in the middle of, of the desert, like there's nothing around us. That to be more precise, it was the first of January. So all stores are closed. Guess where we have to do? Okay, I want to do this. Go ahead and do it. Okay, how do I? How do I? I don't have carbon fiber. I don't have anything to create a knockout. I don't have sheet metal to wear. What can I do? What can I do? I look around. What can I scavenge around the where we are? Oh, my license plate. No problem. I'll get my license plate. Cut it out really nice. Rivet it out. Make it work. Then the problem was driving back home without a plate for eight hours. But, <laughs> but you know, hey, I'm sorry, I lost my plate. But you know, it's it's um it's a constant challenge. You know, I I, I like to build stuff. So I'm always, hey, this is what we have. I'll bring out my ideas. One, I said like one great thing about having Sean and Bruce is like, hey, this is the idea that I got. Oh, you know what? It works. But how about if you do this or you do that or you change here and you change that? And having that extra set of engineering involved into it, it actually helps greatly. So out on the off-road industry or on the off-road racing, most of the time you're stranded in the middle of nowhere. What you're going to solve with is what you have. If it's a piece of wood and you have to find bailing wire and tie it around and make the car go a little extra mile so you can get now fixed by the chase crew. That's how it happens on, on the industry. And when you're involved with it and you have a passion for it and you believe on your customers and you want your customers to excel in what they're doing, you find ways to find it, regardless if you have to drive and get a ticket for not having a plate. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That may make a good story, at least, if you get pulled over to say, hey, you know, you never know. You might be able to talk yourself out of it. Um, Pedro, I think last time we talked, you had said you were talking about amp draw earlier. Uh, maybe the relation to amp draw versus horsepower, um, you know, and, and how, much, how much amps are robbing horsepower. And if you can have less of a draw, you can have more horsepower. Can you go over that again? Well, the, the, the common theory is for every 24 amps, that's a horsepower loss. Um, if you took up, if you, we talk about, like, for example, Bruce's car, he has 
three actual radiators on it that if you were to have it in a brush system or the competitor system, at the time that those three fans will start up, they will start, that will be 80 amps per fan kicking on. The car doesn't produce enough power, even though this one has an alternator, would not produce enough power to keep the car running. It's now it's a split second, but while the car recovers from that split second, a lot of things happens. Um, when we go out testing with, we pull out data like crazy that we can see like everything that is going on. The car is fully sensor, plus we have good um, electronics in the car to give us like exactly by the minute what it is. So I'm not only able to bench test my product and put it up to where it's gonna be at, it's just also gonna be at real life application. Now I can see when my first, when the fan started up, how much amp draw I had. Now from there, I can get my product and send the logic to it and say like, hey, calm down. You don't have, give him a little break for a minute. If you see this condition, do that until we can reach a, the proper amp draw. Like it's so detrimental to our vehicle. You know, everybody knows about PWM. Um, that is what the signal sends. It's a five volt signal. Yeah, your car works on 12 volts, but it's five volts what is sends the logic throughout the car. And you're sending 80 amps out and in this case, it's not 80 amps, it's 2,400 amps of three fans starting up. It's like, what the hell is going on in here? The car is going haywire. We can control that. The car now can manage itself. Like, okay, I can keep my coils running. Yeah, the coils, you said it's a 12 volt system car, but those coils might be shooting 30,000 volts, 40,000 volts by the um, amplification of power due to the coils to make the car go, those that can keep going. That's what keeps the car going. Like we can cool the, the car, but we need that car to keep on making heat so we can cool down. If the car doesn't, is not producing heat, it's not gaining um, race miles, and we're not going nowhere. That's no point. We're, we're not using our fans as turbine power to propel it. We need the, the engine to it. So. The more amps that we have, plus at the same time, I have not just only the fans, not just only the power that the car needs to run, but it also is all the electronics on board. Satellite come, lights, radios, pump the, the watering system for them, the, the logistics on it, the, and with the having a nice compact, power draw for us that is minimal will help whatever they want to do with the car, whatever the car needs to have no problem whatsoever. Andy, when it comes to working with, um, you know, different people and teams like Geyser Performance and all of that, you know, and especially watching some of these solutions happen, it's funny, like watching you as people are talking, just how much you keep smiling about how, you know, this stuff works, uh, which is a great thing. So just talk about that in the relationship with, uh, you know, your customer base. Yeah, yeah. So uh, starting off uh, in NASCAR, working on uh, the cup side of, of uh, the industry with our brake fans, uh, you are dealing with a crowd that's 
you know, wants to keep all the, the information secret. Like, you know, they don't want to spill the beans or some uh, development always gets pushed out a lot farther than it needs to be when uh, uh, kind of the solution is, can be solved if all the information's in front of you. The nice thing uh, in working with Bruce and, and Geyser is that we're all open. Uh, so our communication and uh, our thoughtfulness, the criticism, the back and forth, it's not, oh, this doesn't work, let me throw it away and then you know look towards the next product. It's, uh, it's this collaboration that makes uh, everything really synchronous. And that's what I really enjoy about the uh, working in so many different parts of the racing industry is everybody's a little bit different. And, uh, but at the end of the day, they're, you know, we're solving a very common problem. Uh, it's just the language of how we talk with uh, like Le Mans style GT race teams or uh, an Xfinity team or a late model series or uh, trophy truck team, a, a, a UTV uh, high performance builder, you know, there's so many different dynamics, but it's all one common language at the end of the day of what we're trying to solve. Um, so it's, I really enjoy this relationship because it's, it's like full throttle. Uh, you know, Bruce is like, you know, he is like, like 20 years old, like behind the wheel, he's got an, an adrenaline like uh, that probably has no end. Uh, he'll keep uh, he'll keep full throttle all the way, not just on the race car, but just on. Okay, what about this idea? What about this? Let's try that. Let's and then you know that that keeps us really um, agile, uh, and the acceptance of it too uh, is what makes it uh, awesome together. I, I love it, uh, Sean designing vehicles and incorporating custom cooling at the beginning stages of design versus coming up with something and then saying, how do we cool it? You know, why is it important to be thinking about these things from the bottom up? Um, I mean, obviously that's from, from our standpoint, that's um, part of the, the process is, you know, we can do the chassis and we can do, um, you know, Bruce deal, uh, deals with a lot of the aero stuff and, and uh, the carbon and composite side of things. And, and it is critical to an extent where we put certain things if, if it's going to create more heat or less heat or, or are we going to be able to, you know, evacuate some of that hot air in places so we don't digest it. Um, so it is a lot, you know, we've got a good team of guys down here, plus, you know, Bruce's knowledge. And then, you know, with these guys, um, we bounce the ideas before we start a project of, hey, let's, why don't we try mounting these here this time? Um, you know, it looks like we can get more air this way, um, or we can pull air from, from over here. Uh, let's see if that, if that works. And, um, so it is a it is a process when we start, but we all actually work very well together, and we all want the same outcome. And uh, no one on this team looks at the clock. There's nights where we work until three, four in the morning, and it's just like, hey, this is what we do to get to get another five horsepower, or to make it so Bruce can go, um, you know, go another ten miles an hour down a lake bed, and. To add on to a little bit of what Andy and Pedro were talking about, the 
diversifying the elements that are thrown at what you know what we put this stuff through if we can the road race guys don't run into a lot of the natural elements that we have to um you know you look at the picture behind bruce's car he's throwing a whole up a whole bunch of dirt and rocks and and all that kind of stuff and and it's a true testament to what these fans can go through because they digest those rocks and and we're in the mud and we're in you know it's raining or in the middle of the desert and it's not a it's not a two hour long race you know sometimes sometimes we're in there 12 hours at some of the long races and it's just constant 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 going so the R&D behind that helps with you know the the road the road race guys benefit from us and we we benefit from the road race guys for what they share with these guys um you know and it's all about making a better constantly improving and making a better product every you know every week bruce i want to ask you from behind the wheel of a race car of all the things that you have to think about, you know, you're looking ahead at what's in front of you, how you're going to make your next turn or, you know, when you need to be on the throttle, off the throttle, all of that. The fact that there is something that you don't have to think about, you're not constantly watching temperatures because like you said, you might've been getting up to 240, 270 degrees. How much as a racer, does that really help you the less that you actually have to focus on? And when you take things out of the equation that you're no longer worried about. Yeah, obviously, you know, you're multitasking, you know, when you're racing a car from navigation to your race strategy and making the next pass. So anytime you can take the management of watching a gauge and temperature out of your thought process and distracting you, especially in an off-road race where I've got rocks, ditches, trees and everything else going on, it's, um, you know, I mean, it's like having a new car, ultimately, um, it sheds the workload as the racing driver of having to manage the amount of power input and the temperature that you generate um, to where now you can focus on going racing, on hitting your marks and uh, navigating you know, the unexpected. Off-road racing is blind corner after blind corner and being able to get outside of the car instead of sitting there. We would spend probably 50% of my attention watching the gauge and trying to decide, can I put the throttle in or do I have to lift to manage the, the temperatures with these cars? So the, the amount of change in being able to not do that is the ability to go racing, you know? Um, and uh, like I said, I mean, I've raced, you know, open wheel gearbox cars, road race, motorcycles, whatnot. You don't worry about that stuff. Um, with these things in an off-road environment and the heat that they're generating in these packages, it is a big concern and not worrying about that is paramount to our success. Andy, I want to ask you, you'd mentioned, you know, different types of series and NASCAR and all of that. There was a time um, in the not too recent past that, you know, NASCAR was changing some rules because teams were using things like brake fans to not cool brakes, but to gain aerodynamic advantages and all yes. of that. And I know, I know Pedro had said that, uh, you know, these don't propel the car down. It's not a turbine, but, um, you know, different ways that that fans can help or things that you can, or, you know, I don't know how much you can talk about, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in general, <laughs> uh, our, our fans are designed to, to, 
be as maximum performance as possible in, in its uh, form factor. Meaning that if you really want to push it to its limit, you can uh, create uh, other effects. You can create ground effects. You can create some arrow advantages some downforce uh, in the right configuration. Uh, a lot of that pertains to, uh, especially the road racing guys, because they're it's more predictable. The tracks are like predictable, and you know you you can come up to a certain turn, and uh, you can have logic that does certain things to uh, with the fan. You know, there's like there's lots of uh, interesting things uh, that uh, become more exploratory, uh, even when you think that uh, you've thought of all the creative odd ways to use a fan, there's probably a thousand more different ways. Uh, but it's uh, in, in off-road, I think it's coming. I think it's, uh, you know, whether we make the breakthrough of how we're going to generate some downforce <laughs> versus car, that's, uh, I think it's coming. But uh, that's that's something that in our constant evolution of uh, R&D and, and working together, we'll, we'll get there. We'll find some new stuff and we'll get an advantage. We'll run it for a while until you know you know people catch on but by then you know we'll be on the next level yeah that's the fun thing about it is uh, everything that you can chase and everything that you can discover i do want to remind you if you have a question for any of our panelists again you can type it into the chat and we will talk about it and we'll get those things out there uh you know pedro when it comes to the fans you know a lot of what we think about is the end of it that is blowing out but the intake side of it and all of that is there a better place or does it depend on the application to get your air you know do, do you need to get your air through a NACA duct or a brake duct or something like that directly from the outside or are there times where it's better to get air um, in more static environment where it's just sucking in air, not having air being forced into it based on the car moving forward? Well, the, what, one main, my major thing, and by the way, this is what got us in the books of NASCAR, but on <laughs> the bad book, the rule book. But yeah. uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Depending the the application is where that fan will be placed on. You know, I don't normally would want to have a, a fine on ram air because ram air will be work better without any source of impedance from any fan. Well, I can put air from inside a cab that will do the same effect because again, is pressure. That's what creates a downforce. Is a fan based on pressure, not based on CFM. But would you have? Is it like? I don't know off-road racing. I have a fan that I can put in the center of the car and, it's, and it will draw the same amount of air that it will do, draw if it's sitting outside the window. And now I can get all the dust that is inside the car and run it in through the fan and expel the, the, that dust out from it, allowing the, the, the driver to have now a, an area, a cleaner area to work with, you know, not having that dust in it. And, so it's all depending what the application it needed. Most of the time is space constraint where the fan had to be placed up, not more of what benefit does it get. Um, it, of course, I, I don't want to put a fan near a heat source because I will suck all that heat source into the fan itself. And then it will, instead of cooling the area, I'm going to superheat it, cooling an, 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 an area that is not needed to be cool. I'll be transferring that heat somewhere else. So it's that's the only way that the placement change on them. Another thing is how 
the inlets are. So let's say look on, on this fan, we have this type of inlet that it will be full flow on it. It has a bevel edge to it where the air is, as it's sucking the air, the air gets it redirected by itself. Like it's not just flowing all crazy. It, it, it kind of aligns itself as it enters. And if you look at the at the turbines on a aircraft, you will see that their nacelle or it's, it's a rounded type entrance to it, just so the air can just go around of it and enter uniformly, not dissipate the turbulence on it. And now when you have the same fan and you add a nozzle to it to make to shrink it down, now I'm going from a low pressure to a high pressure to a low pressure again. Now the same concept will have, this is, will be beveled out to the way that that air is ducted correctly into it. Again, allowing me to put the fan wherever is needed or wherever it fits. As many of these cars, there's so many stuff inside of it and so big of gas tanks that you don't have like the realty that you have on, on, on a regular car or a street car. This everything is constrained. It's like everything is like as small as small as possible and as effective as it could be. So, like I know it's super hard to see it from from a standpoint of, of, of a camera, but like I said, like you can if I kind of tilt it, you can see how the roundness on the Belleville is in towards the fan. And of course, there's nose cones and the blades that are placed in a specific way, also the the outs the way that they are they the air now gets expelled from the from the blades is also really important because I can create a lot of um, negative pressure just the way that the, it's being expelled out for the fan. So not just only how the air comes into the blade without not being pressurized. Once it gets pressurized by the blade, and now how it's gonna be expelled. So. All of that has to be, you know, we have flow charts, we have you know, different um, engineering process that we have to follow just so the air flows out without not having a winding sound driving you nuts inside the car or not shooting the air as properly as it is. So John, Sean, when it comes to, um you know, the race cars, we talk, I mean, cooling radiators, cooling drivers, brakes and all that. What are some of the areas that, that, you know, maybe we don't think about that need to be cooled that you've been able to find solutions? Um, you know, a big thing that was probably very new for these guys is um, the UTVs. Part of the rules is we have, it's a belt driven car. Um, so we don't necessarily have a, a gearbox um, and that's a whole new world of something that you wouldn't normally think that you would have to cool under our circumstances. That's the, one of the biggest limiting factors to how fast we can go on race day is, um, that belt. And if we break a belt because it gets too hot, we're down a minute, two minutes, five minutes, depending on how bad it broke. Um, because when it breaks, Sometimes it, it shreds and when it shreds, it gets in all really important places and you got to dig it all out. So, so that was a, that, that's a new thing that most people wouldn't realize it would be so critical is, is our race is depending on 
that belt staying cool and not breaking. Um, other things um, would be, you know, these guys put it in driver suits and, and we need our, our fresh air and our helmets, um, which is standard race car driver stuff anyway, um, but not general public stuff. So uh, I'd say the number one thing that is kind of new would, would be cooling the belt. Yeah, uh, Bruce, for you, you know, things that you found in the real world environment in these, and obviously the off-road racing environment is one thing, um, you know, heck, there's a lot of people that want to go out and have fun on the weekends too, or there's some things that, you know, you found that uh, on the racing side of things is just crucial, and maybe even on the not quite as competitive side of things would be a big benefit to people. Yeah, so I mean, absolutely, um, going back with UTVs, the clutch and, and belt cooling uh, is a crossover. It's essential racing. It's uh, for the enthusiast and, and having a good time. No one wants to get out of their car with a broken belt and replace it. They want to put, you know, thousands of miles. And quite frankly, with our KWI clutch package and the SRP fans, um, and then the geyser design quick attachment adjustments and ducting that you guys can buy, um, it, it works for the everyday, uh, you know, enthusiast. So, I would say that's critical. Um, you know, after that, you know, depending upon the environment, you know, if it's hot, you know, you've got to be able to keep your charge temps and intercooler temperatures down and, and your radiator temps down. So, you know, it, it really is a complete package. And as Pedro talked quite a bit about it is when we mount these things, we're thinking about where we're expelling the exhaust air of the cooling after that and mounting in the engineering thought process. So, you know, we may be cooling a fan and a duct, but when we exhaust out of the out of the clutch, we want to be blowing that on the transmission or CVs to be relieving a low pressure area, right? Um, to get more slipstream for aero and also cooling that, uh, that tranny or diff or, or motor. Uh, we have one of our exhaust ports that blows right on our turbo to cool the turbo. So, you know, there really is a complete engineering package of we have an optimum where we would like it to set up and draw air from um, right on down to the arrow of the intake of it and the exhaust part. So I do think to answer your question, you can use it both, um, you know, for the enthusiast and then the racing products is, is critical to our speed and reliability of the race car. Yeah, one thing I love about racing is um, is how things that you're doing out there, Bruce, uh, might translate into, again, the professional racer versus the enthusiast. And, you know, Sean, for you, when it comes to geyser performance and, you know, the array of products that you offer to people and all of that, how much of that stuff in the racing environment really translates down and benefits to the enthusiast consumer environment? That's that's uh, 100%. You know, there's a big correlation there. That's why we you know, we, we love racing and we love, and it's just, you know, it's a, it's a lifestyle that you got to be passionate about, but what we're truly doing is testing our parts in the worst, you know, environment that you're ever going to see. And, and 99% of the time, the general enthusiast or consumer is never going to see or experience the things that, that we're experiencing out in the middle of the desert going over hundred miles an hour. And so that's, 
why, you know, why we're, we do this is, is we take a part, we test it, we put thousands of miles on it, we see how it works and why it works and how to make it better. That way, at the end of the day, when the general consumer purchases it and puts it on their car, they're happy with it and it, and it, you know, it blows why they're doing it in the first place. There's a very distinct change there. And so the racing world and helps us on the general over the counter parts that we sell. Um, and all of our parts are tested that way. And I want, I want to add to that. Um, different from a NASCAR road racing and whatnot, um, type of racing, off-road racing has a something really particular to it is like everybody will have to deal with it at the end so not just only because you have a race car you have a belt driven car but you also if you're enthusiast or you have every of these side by sides or utvs will have the same exact concept so all the products that are made on racing transfer straight up to the regular enthusiast not like nascar that you have a product in nascar and you're going to put it on your own car because it's, it's pointless. Out in here, yeah, this is what solved this problem in the off, in the racing division, that the same problem that you have day by day now is fixed. And now it's not only fixed by this product, this product is race proven that works. The same thing that we have taken the advantage of being able to product, provide our products into the off-road. And this theme is the fact that not just only our product is okay tested now everybody can use our product not just only a racer just a weekender um, with their family can have the advantage reason why as i said remember we're back again to the to the ports not every race car or not the any race car right now has four seats however our product is now developed with four outlets because you have mom, dad, and their kids riding their cars, other friends, and they want to have clean air too. So something that was designed for the race industry is now greatly affecting the regular general consumer on, on products. That, that's great, the way things can directly transfer. Pedro, I'm curious, um, radiator cooling, when it comes to it, you know, some vehicles have front-facing radiators. They're also getting some of the air just by moving forward. Some of them have rear-mounted radiators and all of that. Does that change the type of fan that you need, the way you need to draw air through that? Yeah, it, it, they do change, but, you know, it's a perfect time, I think, so we can go out to the shop. Show, oh, awesome. Show um, Bruce's car, show the amazing job and the amazing products that um, Geyser produce. So, why about we take a little field trip out out to the to the field and see what's up in here? And I'll show you. I'll I'll point you straight out to the radiator and how they work. Oh, perfect. All right. Well, this is fun. All right, Bruce. While they walk, um, you know, why don't you tell us about what you've got coming up and you know where where people are going to see what you're doing in the wild? Yeah. So we have uh, the 2021 Best in the Desert Vegas Arena Race. Uh, which, you know, it's funny we're talking about cooling today because we will be racing and leaving Las Vegas, Nevada uh, the second week in August, and it'll probably be 110, 115 degrees and be really testing the cool, cooling over the course of the longest off-road race, 600 miles up to Reno, Nevada. So that's coming up, and behind that, we'll be racing the uh, Laughlin 
uh, Legends race and uh, and then moving on into uh, Blue Water, Mint 400, and the UTV World Championships. So that would round out our 2021. Oh, that's fantastic. All right, uh, Pedro, Andy, Sean, tell us what we're looking at here. So we're, right now we're looking at the back of Bruce car. Right now it's a skeleton car because all the panels are being removed out due to the racing um, preps. But you see in this configuration, there's three fans of, on them. There's the, is directly on the airflow. So these fans, the blade that these fans are using is designed for a higher pressure as the ram air coming straight at them is a, is a greater than in other um, applications. Like I'm gonna go back to his old version car where is a single mount and you can see that the blade is a different type of blade than the one that is being used on the newer car. If we look at a factory car, that's where the radiator will be at. So it's a whole different function than would it be in a racing application. So as you have an idea how they look, and I'm sorry if I'm making you DC um, chasing out, we're just walking with the camera. So that will be where that radio is sitting at, looking from the front of the car. Out to the, where I'm pointing right now, you can see our pumper. So you can see how cramped these cars are in terms of spacing in, when you're starting to make an application and try to solve a problem. You have to go around many obstacles. Um, you see, uh, they were talking earlier about how the fans um, work to cool the turbos and whatnot. You can see the entries around here. And there's another fan right there. So as you see, like, uh, these cars are, is it, I'm gonna put it out from here so you can get a better view of the whole car. And how cramped up is this? Remember, you have to have two people riding this and there's no space whatsoever. Wow. And it's really neat to see the way it's mounted in there, you know, and, and with a filter and all of those other things and, and the ductwork. And really, um, it, it seems like it's not an intrusion uh, much at all in the way that you've got that design and the way that you have all of those things mounted. But um, I can see that it would be a huge challenge trying to squeeze something in there, plus two people. Well, as a matter of fact, even having filters is another problem because if you have a filter that will just get clogged with the dirt, then it will render the fan to be unusable. So you have to have a right combination of a fan of a filter that will clean the air but not get clogged. So it will remove it, the, the dust basically will drop out of it instead of just clinging into it. And um, so you. This is a finished car with the custom chassis built by um, Geyser, um, designed by this guy right there. Um, some of their work right here is some of the race arms. You have the, how one of those chassis will work. Um, that chassis that you're seeing right there is a chassis that 
you can actually purchase for your prop, um, your own car or your play car. And it's a full race frame that would not let you down, will not break down as many of these UTVs have problems with. It's like many of the way they're built, they're built cheap and light. And they are put to a lot of strain that they were not originally designed for. So they tend up to break up. That's where people like Sean come in effect to make the sport even a safer, stronger, and a long, longer lasting. Because these cars in the regular market, you're looking at a car like this, you're looking at $30,000 for a car that can break down on you in no time. And Sean can make your car overlast any problem that you have without no breakage, making a stronger frame, making a better part where your, your belt is not breaking, your car is not heating up, your car is not buckling up in the middle of the terrain. Like you basically, if you flip the car, you'll be safe inside of it because all the strengths and the components that are being made to protect you while you're inside that vehicle. Well, Andy and Pedro, it's great to see you guys like literally working right in the shops with the race teams right there as well. And, and you know, Sean, um, you know, to see the integration with steel racing products and what you guys do and how things translate also down to the consumer level outside of the racing level with what you do with Bruce and all of that. Uh, it really is pretty incredible to see. This has been fascinating. Yeah, no, we, uh, you know, we appreciate the opportunity and, and uh, you know, Andy and Pedro for for having us on board and and um you know this is obviously to uh showcase all their products and um you know that market excellent well th thank you very much thank you it was a great webinar we learned a lot and what a great facility so uh, i want to come and visit you guys <laughs> so oh, yeah. uh, i think next time we're in the area judy we should absolutely stop by for sure hopefully it's the so, winter time yeah <laughs> I, I, no, <laughs> but you don't want to visit the facility you want to visit their test facility next okay. door and ride okay. the car there have some well, fun then Get we'll, we'll give you a you. call, LP. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll coordinate with you. <laughs> but th thank you very much, guys. Great webinar. It has been recorded. Both webinars today were, uh, have, have been recorded. They will be uh, posted on the ePortrait platform later on today. We pushed uh, uh, Steel's uh, uh, products back on the homepage as well as ePortrait. Thank you very much for being with us today. We will be back next Wednesday and we're going to be with uh, Lucas Oil and we're going to be talking lubricants. And the following week, we're going to be talking suspension with Penske Shocks. So in the meantime, take advantage of, uh, of the platform. We build it for the industry, for you guys. And it's open 24-7, 365 worldwide. So thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you, Brad, in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye. Registering on ePartrade is easy. Fill out your name, email, phone number, and create a secure password. Next, select your business type. Choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. Begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database, which you can select from the drop-down. Then, enter your job title. Choose Claim Company if you'll be editing your company profile. 
Other members of your company can choose Join Company if they'd like to use ePartrade as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. You'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after. If we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePartrade.